to see you this morning. We uh, started a new series last week called uh, Revealing Hidden Things. And I mentioned last week that there are a number of hidden things that can be in the life of a Christian. Sometimes those things are negative and sometimes those things are positive, that if they remain hidden, they will inhibit our growth. But if we bring them out of their hidden state, then that will stimulate our growth as Christians. And we, we talked last week about hidden sins. That's a sort of negative thing to look at, but very important. Christians need to know how to handle sin, to deal with the hidden sins of the heart. Bring them out into the light that we might receive mercy and forgiveness. This morning we're going to move on to something that is a very positive thing, and that is the gifts that God has given to us. And we'll be reading from Matthew 25, verse 14 to 29, the parable of the talents and Jesus is explaining what is going to it's going to be like in his second coming when he comes back again which we all pray for and anticipate his second coming will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property to one he gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his ability. And then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more saying master you delivered to me five talents here I've made five talents more and his master said to him well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a little I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master And he also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And here you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. 
but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. A question as we launch into this parable of the talents this morning. Can you think for a moment of the one place in this world where the people who are there have more potential than people in any other place? Think for a moment. What group of people have more potential than any other group of people? Well, I'll give you the answer. The cemetery. And the reason for that is summed up in a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes. Most people die with their best music still in them. It's about unrealised potential. Calvin Coolidge said this, the most common commodity in this country is unrealised potential. What is the potential that God has given to each and every Christian with the gifts that they have? And what do we do with that potential? We can hide it away in the ground, but there's a cost to be paid for doing that. And we will look at that this morning. But the blessing and the joy of using the gifts that God has given us. And Glennis reminded me this morning of the story of Lazarus. And you know the story, Lazarus is in the tomb. He's dead, full of potential. Full of potential, but he's dead. And Jesus comes along and what does he do? He raises him from the dead. How wonderful that is. And if you can imagine the scene for a moment, out of the tomb, it says in that section in John came Lazarus bound in bandages. He didn't come out free completely. He had life. And maybe he came out something like, and he was jumping around. He was wrapped up in the death bandages. That's the normal process for someone who had died. And do you know what Jesus said? He looked to those around. He said, set him free. And Jesus said the same words to us today. He's given life to his people. But there's a ministry when we use our gifts to take the death bandages off one another that we might enter into great freedom. We all have the bandages of death upon us, things from the past that bind us up. And we hide them away, as I mentioned last week. There can be hurts that we have. And God wants the body of Christ to get in there and use the gifts to take off the death bandages so that we can truly be free. Glennis has a little saying which probably summarises her... Oh, you might as well come up and preach, hon. I'm quoting from you. Um, (laughs) Jesus must make a difference. Do we believe that? Jesus must make a difference. He died on a cross... He rose again. He's king of kings. He's seated in heavenly places today. Surely Jesus must make a difference. And he does. He does. It says when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. What have we done with those gifts? I want to paint a little bit of a background initially as as we look at this parable of the talents. 
God has given gifts to his servants. We find that in verse 4 of the reading. In verse 19, it says that Jesus is coming back, the master's coming back, and he's going to say to me one day, and there won't be any place for me to hide. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Do you know that a talent was equivalent to 20 years of work for a normal labourer in that time? So imagine 20 years worth of money. A talent is an amount of money, but it represented the total responsibility the master gave to his servants. What have we done with those gifts? 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the grace of God, the manifold grace of God. I think sometimes that the church, the image of the church is like a football game. And you have Thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people in the stands and you have 20 plus people on the field that are playing the game. And it's all the church and the 20 plus people on the field are desperately in need of a rest and the hundreds of thousands of people in the stands and at home are desperately in need of exercise. Can you imagine for a moment if the whole body of Christ were mobilised to serve God wherever we are in our workplaces at home and in the church too? Can you imagine the impact in the world? Glennis and I were on holidays. There you go, three times. How much does I owe you? Two dollars every time I mention their name. I've got to pay them. It's really costing me a lot today. And we're on holidays and I was sitting out on a balcony I think it was up at Caloundra and, uh, no, actually, I think it was down the coast. And I was watching surfers on their surfboards and they're sitting there waiting for the waves. And as they sat there, they were just going up and down. The waves were coming in and the surfers were sitting on their boards and they're just going up and down, up and down, up and down. And I felt like God said to me, that's what most of the body of Christ is like. We're sitting on our boards, we're ready to ride the wave, But the waves come and all we do is go up and down and up and down. But then one particular surfer got up on his feet on his board and he took the wave and he took it right into the beach. God is looking for his people to get on their boards and start riding the waves that he sends our way. We can spend our whole Christian life sitting on the board, the potential to move ahead, and all we do is go up and down and up and down. And it feels like we're going somewhere, but we're just going up and down. Being good stewards. Timothy and Paul had a wonderful relationship of father and son spiritually. But Timothy must have reached a point in his ministry where he wasn't really moving ahead in the way that God wanted him to. And so in 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul says to Timothy, Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Don't neglect the gift that God has given to you. And uh, it must have continued a little bit because later on in 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says to him, I remind you again to stir up the gift of God which is in you. 
Stir those gifts up that we receive from God. They lie dormant in most Christians. And we, we bury the talent, and so we don't see fruit for that. So I want to address a couple of questions this morning. What are the consequences of not using our gifts? Well, the parable of the talent indicates that the cost for us personally, that is apart from the fact that we're robbing the body of Christ of a blessing and freedom, but the cost for us personally is a loss of reward. A loss of reward. The servant that had the one talent had that talent taken off him and he received no further reward. Unlike the servant that had the talent, five talents, he kept the five talents but he was given five more talents and then a little later he actually got the one talent that the uh, gentleman who buried it lost. It's a loss of reward. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. I want to read this to you, but then I want to focus on the last couple of verses, especially. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, the day of his coming, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's... And these two last two verses, I really want to focus on this and, and I hope that these will just be embedded in our heart and our mind. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but... He himself will be saved, yet as through fire. And we find here, Paul is talking about two things. One is redemption, eternal life, salvation. And the other one is the rewards that are above and beyond the eternal life that we receive. Let's go, I'll just read that last one again. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss of his reward but he himself will be saved. I want to highlight a couple of things about this difference between redemption and reward just to get it clear in our mind what Paul and what Jesus is talking about. Our redemption, when we are born again and we have the Spirit of God come into us, when we're saved, it's a gift of God's grace, a free gift. Ephesians 2.8-9 says, By grace... You have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So there it says very clearly, redemption or salvation is a free gift of God's grace received when we repent of our sins and believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. It's about what God has done for us. Rewards, however are not about what God has done for us, but what we have done in service for God, our work for God. Matthew 16, 27. The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to his works. You see, redemption's based on what God's done for us. The work, 
that God has done for us, but the rewards above and beyond that are based upon the work that we've done with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Two different things that he's talking about. Just to clarify that distance, uh, the difference between the reward and the redemption. Redemption is offered to sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ came into the world to save sinners. Rewards are not offered to sinners, they're offered to servants. We saw that in Matthew 25.14. He called his servants to him. They're already part of his household. And then finally, just so we see the difference here, because it really does clarify for us the cost that can be paid in not using our gifts for God. Our salvation is based upon the first coming of Jesus. Again, 1 Timothy 1.15. Christ came into the world. He came into the world as a child. He grew up and he died on a cross to save sinners. But the rewards that God has for us above and beyond eternal life, which is just amazing in and of itself. Can you imagine eternal life, living in the presence of God? There's no more tears or suffering or sorrow or any such thing. And we have all of the wonderful things God incorporates into eternal life. That's based on the first coming of Jesus. But when we look at Revelation 22.12, when we see, we see uh, John talking about the second coming of Jesus, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. This is Jesus talking. And my reward, is that word again, is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And so the salvation that we have is a free gift by God's grace to us when we believe. But the rewards that God wants to give above and beyond that is based upon our service for him. We're conscripted into the army of God to serve God. We're not called to be spectators, but participators, to be involved in the ministry that God has for us. And sadly enough, we see in the parable of the talents that that reward can be lost. How sad that is. 2 John 8, John says, Look to yourselves, that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. A full reward. I don't know about you, but I want the reward that God has set aside for me. That's a bit greedy, I know. And I thank God for eternal life, how wonderful that is. But God also has a reward that's based upon our service for him. Paul said, I've run the race, I've, I've achieved the goal that God has set before me. The consequence of not using our gifts, of burying them in the dirt, as it were, is that we lose it. We, either, we use it or we lose it. There's the choice. So how do we store up these wonderful rewards that God has for us? You know, the world is always offering rewards. You see it on TV all the time. It says, you know, if you, if you do this course or if you follow these principles, you'll be rich and you'll be famous and everyone will adore you. But the sad thing about that is 
None of that stuff goes into eternity. I've been trying to think of, maybe you could help me, a way of taking it with me. I don't know, if, maybe if I just shove it into the coffin or, you know, I don't know how, you can't take anything out of this world. But God says we can store up rewards in heaven. And three things I'd like to mention on how we can do that. Number one is to set our heart on eternal treasures. Matthew six nineteen to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. On that day of Christ's return, as we read in Revelation 22.12, he says, I bring my reward with me to give to you according to your works. What are our works? If we set our heart on eternal treasures, I don't know if you can think for a moment how long is eternity. I mean, this is my life, how many years I have on this earth. But then eternity goes from there and never stops, which is quite a comparison. It seems like the further we go into eternity, the smaller that 70 or 80 or whatever years on this earth will seem. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now that doesn't mean we don't fulfil our responsibilities to cut the grass and wash the dishes and cook the food and do the shopping, a part of life. But the passion of our life, the heart of our life, is to be set on heavenly things. What our heart treasures, our mind will think about. And then what our mind thinks about will impassion our heart. Meditate on these things, the scripture says. So that's the first important thing. We need to establish what is it that we want to achieve in this life. Do I want to, you know, the person that ends up with the most money when he dies wins. It seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I heard the interview of a a richest man in the world at the time and the, the journalist said, well, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. How sad that is when you can't take any of it with you. But we can store up treasure in heavenly places. If we set that to be our goal, we pursue that as our goal. Secondly, we need to establish pure motives in our service for God. Matthew 6, 1 to 6 says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed... Do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And so we have a choice as Christians. We can choose to have the rewards of this life, fame and fortune and all those things that go with it, or we can choose to set our heart on the treasures in heavenly places And do them in such a way to glorify God, not to glorify self. 
They have their reward, the scripture says. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord evaluates our motives. Why we do the things that we do adds the value to the things that we do. Our motives determine that value. So we set our heart on the treasures of heavenly places, storing up those treasures by just seeking to to love God and walk in his way, to have the right motives. And, And finally, number three, we faithfully use our gifts to serve God. Luke 19, 17, Jesus said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. Now, when we look at the reward that the scriptures are talking about, again, that difference between redemption, eternal life, which those of us who believe in Christ have, and then the rewards that are above and beyond that based on service to God, the works of service for him. It seems that the rewards are related to greater authority in serving God in the life to come. You will have authority over 10 cities. And so we see the, the uh, gentleman with the parable uh, with the talents, the five talents, he received 10 talents to exercise authority over the, the goods and the property of the master. As we use our gifts to serve God, we find that God opens up further opportunities. He's a good God that wants us to serve him, to not hide our gifts in the ground and in the end have that taken away from us, to have no rewards. God wants to reward his servants when he comes back and he comes back with a reward. Proverbs eighteen sixteen says, a person's gift makes room for them. Have you ever felt like you just don't fit? There's not enough room for you. And and in the world, sometimes we can feel like that. We can feel like there's no room for us. There's no place for us to serve God. And, And maybe sometimes we compare the gifts that we have with others and we think, oh, I could never do what they do. Well, you don't have to. You just have to do what you can do. You just have to use your gifts. And if all of us are using the gifts that we have, then the full body is functioning and all the needs are being met. And so everybody has a place and there's room for everybody. Nobody is excluded. You have unique gifts that nobody else has. And the church needs you to take the gift that maybe has been buried in the ground for fear of failure, fear of rejection, and to take that gift and to begin using that gift. I want to go back finally, just bringing this together, to Revelation 22.12. Behold, and maybe if there's one verse to keep in your mind this week, this is it. Behold, I'm coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. How wonderful our God is. He's given us beautiful, unique gifts. It's our responsibility now to take those gifts if we've dug a hole and buried them, we've hidden them away and they're not blessing anybody and they're not blessing us 
And there's no rewards being stored in heavenly places to take them out of the ground and to say, I will make a commitment to use my gifts to serve God. I remember when I first went to Bible college, I came up to Queensland from Newcastle. And one of my responsibilities, which I remember very distinctly, was cleaning the toilets. And as I've got my head down in the bowl, cleaning the toilets, as probably many of you can relate to, I said to God, this is not what I came here for. I came here to learn how to preach the gospel. And just like, bang, you know, when God puts something in your head right out of left field, it just came there. If you can't clean the toilets, you can't preach the gospel. Don't despise small beginnings. Whatever it is that we can do with the gifts and abilities God's given, contribute those things because it then makes room for us for other things. Stephen started out waiting on tables, serving the the widows and the orphans. And the next thing we find Stephen standing before the Sanhedrin, as it were, the religious leaders of the time, bringing a prophetic message from God with such power that he was stoned to death for bringing it. The time of small beginnings, taking those gifts that we have, taking them out of the ground so we can serve God. That's our responsibility. I believe that God is going to bring a mighty work of his spirit to our land. And I believe at the heart of it is going to be the body of Christ rising up together saying, yes, we will use our gifts. We will serve God. We won't bury them in the ground. Hidden sin robs us of fellowship with God and of Growing in the things of God's kingdom. But hidden gifts, did I say hidden gifts the first time? Hidden sin robs us of that. But hidden gifts robs us of the opportunity of ministering in the body of Christ and storing up rewards that Jesus delights to give us. This morning I want to place a challenge before you. Are you willing to take the gifts out of the ground that maybe you've put there, maybe you haven't, and to say, Lord, I want to use this this talent. I want to use what you've given to me to bless the body of Christ. And there will be an opportunity at the end of the service for anyone after the final song who would like to come for prayer. There'll be some folk up here to pray with you. I believe God's hand is reaching out to the hearts of people to say, time for the body of Christ to rise up. I've, we've all got heresies. Tim, you've got some nice heresies, have you? Yeah, I've got some beauties. And one of my heresies I keep getting in trouble for is that I don't believe there is clergy and laity. I don't believe in this whole rubbish of some people are ordained and all the rest of them, you come along to give you money and warm the pew. I believe we're either all ordained or none of us are. We're all the body of Christ. We're the priesthood of all believers. There's no priests and non-priests. You're a priest unto God, called to ministry and to service. And I challenge you this morning, are you prepared to take that gift out of the ground and say, yes, Lord, I want to use that 
It might be at school where you teach. It might be in your workplace. It might be at home. It might be in the church or in the world. But to take the God-given gift that you've, you've got and stir it up, as Paul said to Timothy. Join me in prayer. Father, we stand in awe of the amazing redemption that you've provided for us. You've given us eternal life. And there's no words to say how much we, we thank you, appreciate, Lord, that gift that we receive from you. And God, we, we take to heart the challenge of your word. We don't want to be like the servant with the one talent that hid it away in the ground. And Father God, I pray for each and every person here today that by your Holy Spirit, those gifts would begin to come out of the ground and we would begin to take the death bandages off one another. That we might see freedom in the lives of people. We might have the great joy of seeing the Holy Spirit take the gifts that you've given and use them to bless the lives of others. Father God, we delight to hear those words from you one day when you return. Well done, good and faithful servant. In the precious name of Jesus. 